You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. Thank you for tuning in today, downloading this episode, uh, the not-so-sweet news about added sugars in our diets. You know, um, we're hearing so much about the, the the association between a diet that is really sugary with all these added sugars and increases the risk of, well, weight gain and now heart disease and, of course, type 2 diabetes. And uh, I, I did some digging and, you know, uh, in the American colonial era, we were having maybe about a teaspoon of sugar a day. And now Americans on average are coming in at 17 teaspoons of added sugar daily. And this is not going to be good for their health. And so today I brought on an expert in the field, Dr. Michael Gorin. He is a professor of pediatrics at Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. And he's also the program director for diabetes and obesity at the Sabin Research Institute. Now, he is a prominent researcher, and he's published over 350 um, articles. I don't know when the man sleeps. And he's here to talk about, you know, he has a love of, of pediatric nutrition, but more importantly, he's got a real sweet tooth for looking into the role that added sugars plays in health. And why he is here, because he just wrote a brand new book, and he's the author of The Sugar Proof. That's The Hidden Dangers of Sugar. And we're going to put a copy of the link to this on the spot on Facebook page. But with that, I want to welcome Dr. Michael to Spot On. Yeah. Hi, Joan. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so nice to see you. Thank you. Let me tell you, this is so much talk about added sugar, you know, so much problems we've had of it. And years ago, you know, what we did uh, is worried about, oh, it's going to lead to weight gain. And oh, if you had type 2 diabetes or even type 1 diabetes, you had to control how much you're having. But we've gone past this now. I mean, this is just unbelievable. And we're hearing so much about uh, the, the ill health effects of having a diet too high in added sugar. So I want to get to what is the difference between added sugars and those that form, become naturally in foods? Yes, the natural sugars would be the sugars in fruit, in whole fruit, or the sugar in dairy, which is lactose. Added sugars are sugars added to food during processing or baking or or cooking. Uh, And there's over 250 names for those added sugars that could be added. Um, So, you know, this includes honey, maple syrup, ordinary sugar, organic brown rice syrup, evaporated grape juice, and all the rest of it. Yeah, so there's many hidden hidden um, names for it. But the good news is, Dr. Michael, you know, now that we have, we always have the Nutrition Fact panel, but on it now, they tease out what is 
added sugars versus the natural sugars, like say in an orange juice or an orange. So we can now see when we buy a product, like you said, some processed foods, a beverage or, you know, a cookie or a sweet item, how much added sugar um, is in it, uh, the product. So that gives us some good information. But what we still, what, what is really um, interesting is now we have so much more research to realize it's not just um, that it's your, your waist is a problem when you have, may expand when you have too much added sugar. It's more health. So let's get to the, to the crux of this. What, it, you said there's so many sources of, of added sugars. So is there something in the added sugars that's doing this? Can you, can you help us out here? What's causing this problem here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just the calories, which is the same reason why it's just we're concerned with issues beyond weight because it's it's the metabolism of those sugars and there's two different, at least two different types. Ones that are higher in fructose, like uh, fruit-based sugars and high fructose corn syrup and apple juice, which are much higher in fructose and and fructose, uh, unlike glucose, even though fructose and glucose are isomers of each other that are structurally very similar, fructose is not used directly in the body for energy in the same way that glucose is. So fructose is actually taken up by the liver, converted to fat, can cause fatty liver, that metabolism is inflammatory, it causes dyslipidemia. So it's to do with the metabolism of the sugars. And then the high glucose sugars like corn syrups, for example, very high glycemic profile, causing rapid um, spikes in blood glucose and rapid crashes. So it's it's way beyond the issue of just the calories. It's it's what results, what happens in the body when those sugars are consumed. Right. So so just to explain that you know added sugar, what you get out of the sugar bowl, is going to be um, it's going to have glucose and fructose together, and that makes the sweet added sugars. So what you're saying is it's it it goes beyond the calories, and really it's that fructose part that that you get in added sugars or corn syrup that you're saying is having a problem. The, so the body doesn't metabolize it similarly to the glucose. Glucose is what is in your blood. That's they, the lay people know it as you know, glucose, as blood sugars. Your body loves it. Your brain loves it. But you're saying the fructose component of this is what the heck the problem is. And you said something called, uh, you know, with, with, with lipids. And, you know, for my listeners, that means fat. So what you're seeing is that sugar is causing a rise of fat in your blood which is mind-boggling to me. So tell me a little bit about, about the metabolism. So what is it so that, it, you know, you, you break it down, but when the when the fructose goes to the liver, it doesn't use, it doesn't convert it to glucose, it doesn't, it, it stores it in different ways. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so like you said, so sucrose, which is ordinary table sugar, is a molecule of glucose connected to a molecule of fructose. The, the glucose goes all over the body, like you said, from the brain to the heart to the muscles. It's, it's the energy currency of the body. Uh, so, some of the fructose in low amounts is converted into glucose in the gut before it's absorbed in the body. But almost all of the fructose is taken up directly by the liver. And the job of the liver is to take things out of the out of the blood that it doesn't want to get to the rest of the body. So it's like a giant filter. 
Uh, so it filters out toxins, alcohol, drugs, and it filters out the fructose. You can add fructose to that list. And in the same way that the liver processes alcohol, it's almost identically the same pathway. The liver will process fructose and convert it into fat. And that fat can get stuck in the liver. And fatty liver disease is a relatively non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is a relatively new disease. Most fatty liver disease used to be due to too much alcohol. Now it's due to something else other than alcohol, so it's called non-alcoholic, and that non-alcohol is fructose. You know, that, that's interesting that you said that because I can remember this. I had a private practice about 100 years ago, and I can remember, yeah, this I'm being sarcastic, but really about, about 25 years ago, this young person came in and she had this fatty liver and she was not drinking alcohol. So I saw this years and years ago, but what we're saying is that there's more of it. And hence, when we're supposed to be having maybe a teaspoon of added sugar uh, uh, in our lives, we're having 17 teaspoons on average. And so we are gulping it and having a sweet tooth about this. And this is causing a problem. So it's causing the raising of fat in your blood, the fatty liver. It's causing um, you know, type two diabetes, What's the link there? Between sugars and type 2 diabetes? Anyway, well, this is probably more to do with the, with the glucose aspect of things. So, you know, for a long time, we were giving fructose-based sugars to diabetics because it protects the pancreas. Uh, um, but with, with too much glucose, the pancreas gets overworked. So when... when when the body's consumes sugar and when glucose rises in your blood, uh, the pancreas produces insulin. And that's how that's a signaling molecule for glucose to be taking, taken out of the blood because it doesn't we don't want it to be too high in the blood and we need it in the other organs for energy. So for too much glucose that's consumed, the pancreas just gets overworked. And for high glycemic sugars like corn syrup, which doesn't have any fructose in it, but it's all glucose, so it, it is an extra an extra jolt to the pancreas. It has to work even harder. And when the pancreas gets overworked, it eventually becomes unable to produce enough insulin. And then if the pancreas can't produce insulin, that's when diabetes occurs. Right, right. I mean, that's right. Okay, so so again, uh, having a lot of added sugars in their diet, we know that it causes a lot of extra calories, which causes your waist or your, uh, problems with your weight, which can also um, cause a problem with with type two diabetes. So it's like everything's all connected here. Okay, so so what? So sugar, we got to get the sugar down in our diet. We're having way way too much, and so how does? Like if you, since we have the sweet tooth, I mean, I know we're all innately born with loving uh, sweet, uh, you know, lo- loving sugar. We love that that sweet sensation. You know, I'll never forget when I, I gave my son oatmeal when he was a baby, you know, bland oatmeal, and, you know, the kid just ate it and spit out and everything. And I give him a little bit of applesauce on the spoon. Well, this kid had a smile from here to, you know, I, it, it was just a smile just came on his face, like lit up. So innately, we just have this sweet tooth, but we're getting to the point where we're having, it's too much and it's really affecting us. So how does a diet high in added sugar affect your taste pres, uh, you know, preference? Yeah, well, like, like you said, we're born with this innate preference for sweetness, uh, but 
the that that preference can be amped up or or extenuated with with consumption of too much sugars. So um, we've just kind of be, become we've just become a, a um, people who who are just you know. We're not very tolerant of something that's not very sweet, like your son. We now expect things to be sweet, and the food industry is catering towards that uh, because the food industry knows that for the public to like something, they just got to make it sweeter. Uh, so, uh, food production has become sweeter and sweeter, and we've just kind of amped up this uh, this sweet taste preference, and it's just it ends up masking all the other. Uh, taste buds in the mouth because the sweet taste receptors uh, um, become overwhelmed because because that sweet taste is kind of overpowering all the other tastes that we lose our tastes for other food. That is so so interesting, but I could see it because you just you just raise the bar for the level, and you're just getting used to this sweet taste that everything is. It doesn't taste good to you unless it's sweet. And, you know, way back, you know, when we were focused on, you know, getting, uh, reducing the fat in our diet, you know, they came out with all these fat-free cookies. And I, I, and the the best cookie that I I know of was called Snackwells. And um, the problem is, is when you take fat, out of cookies. If you were to make grandma's, you know, uh, oatmeal cookies and you took all, all the fat out of there, you would end up with grandma's hockey pucks because they would be so tough. So what the the food industry did found out if they added a lot of sugar in this, the cookie became tender. So what happened is when we were in this fat-free craze, we really ramped up our desire for sweetness and kept it going. And so now we have a higher bar, higher tolerance for, for our, a sweet tooth. And so how does, does that affect your appetite? Does, you know, does, does that, how does sugars affect your appetite? I mean, does it make you more hungry or t- what's the, what's the issue there? Yeah, it, it probably does, especially, um, high glycemic, high sugary foods. I mean, I think we've all experienced that. We have uh, with our kids or with ourselves, we have like a, a sweet treat, it might be a lot of calories, and then an hour later you're still hungry. And so you end up eating more. And that's because um, when, you, when, when we consume a lot of sugar, like I mentioned, we get these big sugar spikes. Insulin is released and dispatched to the scene. It takes the sugars out of the blood, but it goes down very rapidly to the point of causing hypoglycemia or low blood glucose. And when your blood glucose is low, you just get hungry and irritated and seek out food. Yeah, so so basically... All day long, we could be on this sugar roller coaster where we're going up, we're going down, we're going up, we're going down. Because if we're having a lot of beverages or uh, uh, sweets and treats that have a lot of added sugar, so you're saying blood sugars will go up, the spike, insulin will go off, but then insulin will drop it, like get that downward side of the roller coaster, and then we are have low blood sugars and it starts all over again. It's so wonder why we're cranky all day long. Now, when you say things like this, the with the added sugars. And kids and kids are more susceptible to that because they're, 
you know, their, their bodies are more efficient and their pancreases are working very well when they're younger. Um, they're very efficient at drawing that sugar, drawing those blood sugars out of the circulation because they need it for their, in their bodies and they're so efficient at it that they're more susceptible to those roller coaster crashes. Oh my goodness. So you're, what you're saying is that, um, you know, if we start this earlier in life with little kids, this diet of having a lot of added sugars, that this is going to perpetuate. I mean, they, they raise the bar, they raise the taste buds, right? So, and they're going to raise it and keep it going for adults. And then we're going to start seeing after what decades of this diet that has a lot of added sugars, these long-term issues of heart disease and, you know, not able to manage your weight and type 2 diabetes. Um, and so what we're saying is the earlier that we got used to this added sugar and this sweet taste of everything, the worse it's going to be with us. Yeah, and that's really one of the main premises of the book. And that's, you know, that's basically what the research that we've been doing over the years is is showing that those chronic diseases of adulthood, which we know are increasing in prevalence and being established at a younger age, that's already happening. And what the research shows is that that can be tied back to earlier consumption, earlier introduction of more sugars into the diet. Wow. So heart disease is not an adult disease. It's a pediatric disease then potentially, right? Or diabetes, right? Yeah. I mean, we might not see a lot of heart disease in kids, we are seeing increasing levels of type 2 diabetes in kids, for sure. It's currently, you know, it's not terribly high, but it's still on the rise. But those chronic diseases are seeded. The path is already, you know, underway. It's, it's, like, it's like the frog in the slow boiling water. It's already happening um, from, from, from an early age. You know, it's interesting. Um, years ago, you know, when I was in training, they didn't have type 1 and type 2 diabetes. It was called insulin-dependent diabetes. That means that you had to take insulin shots of it. And it was, the other one was called adult-onset diabetes because you typically got it later in life in your 50s. And you're right, because what you just said is now that little people, children are getting it, they had to change the name of the disease. They couldn't call it adult onset because little people were getting it. I mean, think about that. They had to rename a disease because it was originally only you know occurring in uh, later in, in the adult years, and now it was trickling down to pediatrics. And you know, with, with your research and your association with all these diseases, it's, oh my goodness gracious, uh, where we're just, you know, feeding them or getting changing their palate to a potential where they're going to have a lot of problems later in life. But you're going to save us because you wrote this book, Sugar Proof. And again, I'm going to put this on the spot on Facebook page. And you came up with seven strategies that can help you kind of ratchet down your sweet tooth in your body and ratchet down your added sugars. And I'm just assuming like, uh, you know, I have... Uh, uh, my children are now, I, I used to have two boys, I have two men in my life now. So I'm assuming they can still, even though the childhood is gone, they can still use these um, uh, sugar-proof strategies and let's start, you know, ratcheting down our sugar. So you have seven of them. So let's go through these because I want everyone to listen and take note and figure out how they can, you know, ratchet down the added sugars in the diet, maybe throughout the days. The first one you have is set everyone up for success 
uh, with breakfast. So what do you mean by that? Right, we got breakfast cereals, we got juice, we got um, bakery items, we got sweet stuff that goes on toast or pancakes or French toast. So typically breakfast is pretty high in sugar and it starts the day off on this roller coaster that we mentioned earlier. But there's very simple things you can do to to adjust that um, to, 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 towards less sugar. What would be an example of a breakfast that would be less sugar, but one that's going to stay with you, you know, uh, one that's really going to, you know, give you enough fuel to get you through to lunch? Yeah, and it's not just about the fuel, remember. It's about the, the stable blood glucose. It's about, it's about stabilizing blood sugar so we're not on this real roller coaster. Okay, so that could be um, what you put on toast. So instead of putting jam on toast, put an egg, scrambled eggs or some peanut butter or, or something that's not sugar. So you're still getting... Right, or, or the, the, the infamous avocado toast. Are we talking there? That are, uh, yeah. There we go, avocado toast. Okay, so, you, so, you get, so you're getting healthy fat and bread. Yeah, same with pancakes or French toast. You can load up the batter with extra protein, like an extra egg white, or you can put in extra fiber into the batter, uh, like some flax seeds or chia seeds into the batter. And again, you don't have to put maple syrup on pancakes or French toast. There's there's other things you can put on top of that, like plain yogurt or chopped fruit. Um, so these kind of simple hacks. I, you know, uh, I'm a professor of nutrition here, but let me tell you, I like maple syrup. But what I'm thinking in my head is, okay, if I have pancakes or French toast, what I can do is put like a fruit compost on, right? And then do a, just a drizzle of the maple syrup so I still get the sweetness. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, we're not saying you have to cut it out completely. We're just We're just trying to reset the bar that we talked about, right? And like the fruit compost, um, you can boil up a bag of frozen blueberries, for example, no added sugars, and that would be delicious on pancakes. And if you need a little bit of sweetness, then yeah, drizzle it with some maple syrup. So you, 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 you still get that, that sweetness, but you're not drowning the pancakes in maple syrup. Okay, so my, so my relatives in Vermont are going to be very happy because they love their maple syrup up in Vermont. And that's right, right out of the trees there. Okay, the second tip you give, the second strategy to get down the added sugars in your diet, you say ditch the liquid sugar. And I think I know what this is, but you tell us. Yeah, but, so by liquid sugar, we mean juice, soda, energy drinks, and so on. The, the, you know, again, this wasn't a thing. 20, 30, 40 years ago, most kids uh, were, were, were brought up nutritionally on water and milk and maybe the occasional treat with, with something, with a sweet drink. And it's, you know, when we talk about liquid sugar, it's that even sugars in apple juice are highly concentrated. And that high concentration of sugars with their rapid bolus absorption that you get um, is is what causes a lot of problems metabolically. So it's rapidly up taken up, rapidly taken up into the circulation. So you're either going to get these big spikes in blood sugars, or you're going to get it all going to the liver and being converted to fat. And that's happening with uh, liquid sugars. So again, you can 
decide not to bring it into the house, keep it as a treat, or if you do, maybe you dilute it. I mean, again, commercial grade apple juice is just incredibly sweet now, and you can easily dilute that and still uh, enjoy it. Yeah, you could dilute, you could dilute any juice with uh, sparkling water and get get like a refreshing kind of like a little sweet treat for that as such. You know, I I would have to say that when you, when you when I read ditch the liquid sugars, it's really I'm thinking like a, a lot of this is sodas and the energy drinks. Of course, you said never had anymore. And you know, uh, Doctor Michael, these these coffees that you get in in the you know the coffee shop, you know these muckamuckalukalakas that have all these added sugars added to it i mean that's this is not the way grandma had enjoyed her coffee years ago so it's like you know while orange juice is wonderful in the morning it's a great source of vitamin c and potassium you know but have it in the morning and that's it but the rest of the day let's get rid of all this other stuff that we that we didn't weren't drinking decades ago and grandma wasn't drinking there you said the third tip is to avoid fructose so but we're not talking about like apples or oranges, you're talking what? Yeah, we're talking about fructose-based sweeteners, like the obvious one would be high fructose corn syrup, which a lot of people are already um, alerted to. But fructose, there's other fructose-based sugars that are showing up uh, that are healthier sounding, like um, like fruit, fruit juice concentrates or, or for example, or, or evaporated um, grape juice, for example. I mean, these are the, when, once you once you extract the, the 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 juice out of a fruit and 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 boil it down, it's it's exactly what we're doing with sugar cane, right? We're making sugar from sugar cane. Now we're making sugar from apples, and it's called fruit sugar instead of cane sugar. But you know, fruit sugar sounds healthier. It's for consumers, it doesn't sound as as bad, but it's 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 still a sugar, and it's it's a high fructose-based sugar, so you're going to get all these problems with the liver. Right. You know, that you, you're, you're so spot on because in the latest dietary guidelines for Americans, that they list concentrated um, uh, uh, fruit concentrates as a course of added sugar for just exactly what you do because they may be added to a product and then people say, oh, it came from fruit. It's really healthy. But when you, when you visualize it like that, where you boiled it down and just extracted the fructose and made a sweetener, it's no different than, you know, any other kind of sweetener. So good to know. The fourth one you said is use snacks to your advantage. So instead of like sweets and treats, what's some um, healthier snacks that may have a sweet, you know, tinge to it, but it's not going to be, you know, jelly beans. Yeah, so th- this is, you know, we're learning a lot about how blood glucose responds to timing of introduction of foods, for example. And so um, here we're talking about loading up snacks to be, so, you know, getting some more fiber in there, getting some more protein in there, using things like flax seeds or chia seeds and snacks. Um, those would be very helpful because that helps regulate appetite. And so instead of you know filling up on a on a on a sweet based snack and then being hungry, you 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 can um, introduce higher fiber or higher protein based snacks um, like nuts, yes. Or um, another popular one from from our book is. Um, chickpea uh, uh, roasted chickpeas oh yes because when you roast them it has a sweet sense to it yeah that's great what about things like easy things like apples uh, slices with peanut butter on it 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great, it's a great snack. It's- I actually sprinkle cinnamon on apples, and it, it's because cinnamon has a natural sweetness to it. Yeah, and it yeah. gives it gives the apple. It's like you know an apple pie that's sliced on my plate. The fifth one, trick. the fifth one you said is choose sweets uh, wisely, and obviously we know that sweets and treats. I mean, that sounds like um, I think what it is. It's it's really the frequency, and you know, you alluded to this before when we started this whole conversation. Is that you know years ago, and I remember this growing up. I'm Italian, and and you know, so we we didn't really have a lot of um, sweet sweets and treats in the house we had it on holidays and you had it on your birthday that 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 was it so Mm -hmm. it's it's not so much the sweets and treats it's the fact that now the sweets every day is a holiday so we're having you know sweets and treats every day so what we're saying is you know save them for those holidays and and don't make them a daily occurrence the sixth one you said is set guidelines for major culprits so so what are you saying like uh what are you saying by that? It could be like a food rule. So so studies show that actually setting food rules or food guidelines in the home are quite effective. So it might be, you know, desserts twice a week or desserts on Tuesdays and weekends or, you know, no candy during the week. Um, we'll have soda, but only when we're going out for a meal or, you know, some something like that that kind of makes, sets a rule, sets a guideline so everybody knows that there are limits um, to these to, to these uh, products. You know, I have to tell you something. Um, years ago, um, I, I remember smiling at this. It had to be decades ago. You know, Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. Oh, my gosh. So you, when you think about what Cookie Monster did, did he's, he's adorable. But he would, what, eat all the cookies on the plate and then eat the plate, you know, and he eat all these cookies. And what happened is Sesame Street said, whoa, 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 this is not a good message for children. And so that song that he used to sing, and I'm going to sing it and, and people are going to cringe, but he used to sing, C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. Well, now he doesn't sing that anymore. Now he sings something like a cookie is a sometime food and fruits and vegetables are an everyday food. And Mm. isn't that interesting? And it's sort of the way I was brought up that, you know, you don't have cookies every day. They are sometimes food. So I like your Tuesday and your Sunday. That's great. And the last one, you said work a restaurant menu like a pro. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, this this is more... You know, for families with young kids who are at a restaurant and, you know, typical kids menu we know is is um, not really such good news. Uh, so maybe instead of ordering from the kids menu, you order a smaller portion from the adult menu or share it with your kids or just being a bit smarter about making sure there's some healthy choices going in first before dessert, for example, um, you know. Those types of things. Right. And actually, I think they've done studies on that, that basically, you know, everybody's hungry right in the beginning of the meal. So that's when you should be introducing vegetables when when everybody's so hungry so that they'll go in and because and, you're so ravenous. And then, and, and then I guess as the meal goes on, and that's why dessert becomes last because you be full by then, you don't overconsume the dessert. Yeah, and that's a good strategy for the snacks too. If your kids are coming home, hungry, um, then that's a good time to kind of think about getting some veggies in because they're so hungry. So maybe they'll just, you know, 
eat it all up. And, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, this is not just for kids. I mean, even as teenagers or, or college-age students or working adults, we can all learn from this and say, my goodness gracious, I have a sweet tooth and it's really been ramped up based upon for years. And so I want to ratchet it down. So by using these seven sugar-proof strategies that are in your book, and again, we're going to put a copy of and a link to, to sugar-proof uh, on our spot on Facebook page, you can ratchet down your sweet tooth and get get a, a better handle on reducing your intake so it doesn't affect your health. And there's two ways to do that. In, in, in the book, we have the, the seven-day no-added sugar challenge and the 20 or the 28-day challenge. Both were specifically designed. We came up with those strategies exactly to address that issue of, of kind of resetting that, that uh, sweet taste. And, and that's been our experience that we found working with hundreds of families that you can reset that preference. Okay, downwards. so this is what I'm going to do. I am going to get off, and I and you were kind enough to send me a copy of your book. I'm, I'm going to do the seven-day challenge. I am going to do that and get, ratchet down my sweet tooth, and um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, anybody can do anything for seven days, so let's all take the seven-day challenge and see if we can um, take our sweet tooth and bring it back down to earth here. I want to thank Michael Gordon here. He is uh, the author of, of Sugar Proof and, you know, did so much research on added sugars and what they're doing to our health. And uh, again, I'm going to put the link to his book on our Spot On Facebook page and let's read it and let's get our sweet tooth ratcheted down because um, it's not good for our health. So with that, Dr. Michael, I want to thank you for being on Spot On. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to talk with you. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salgy Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?